Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture?
Welcome to this series called Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. It's under our Curious Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is J-A-E-F.foundation. I'm excited about this series. We are going to be talking about probably two of the most important unseen realms, and yet they are the focal point of our being and existence. And we are going to explore how these two unseen realms affect each other to move the things that we see with our natural eyes. I think this is going to be epic. The first one is the quantum faith realm, a conduit for the spirit realm. The second is the quantum physics realm. Now, we're all familiar with the word physics, and I'm going to assume that at some point during your school life, you studied about physics. Now, lucky for you, there won't be any take-home assignments after listening to this podcast. Anyways, we all know that our natural world, or this physical world that we live in, is governed by natural law. That is, laws of physics. Like the law of gravity, or the law of lift that enables you to fly across the world, and so forth. Now, there is an interesting subject within physics that has emerged. It's called quantum physics or quantum mechanics. And it has turned the whole physics world on its head. It has turned the whole physics world upside down. Why is that so? Because it operates contrary to the laws of classical physics that we have grown accustomed to. What makes quantum physics really interesting is that it operates very similar to how things operate in the spirit realm, that is, in the kingdom of God. What do we know? Turns out Jesus' miracles, such as walking on water, weren't just myths and fables. So we are going to explore these two realms and see how they feed off of each other because our lives are directly affected by each one of them. Now, if you've listened to one of our series called Science is God's Playground, you've probably heard me make this statement. There are two realms, the spirit realm and the natural realm. The spirit realm is cause and the natural realm is effects, hence cause and effects. So in this series, we are going to connect the main force in the spirit realm called faith or quantum faith and its cousin from the unseen physics world called quantum or quantum physics. This will show us how this notion of cause and effects comes into play, how the physical world runs on top of the spirit realm and how they are always constantly interacting with each other. We're talking about something you can't possibly see, but it is what makes up everything in the universe. I mean, can you explain photons to me? Do you see photons in the room? Do you see photons when you go outside? Those are subatomic particles of light. And yet these things are at every
everyday life in sunlight, everything we see that's light is made up of the quantum realm. And when you look at a table and it looks solid, you're gonna put a book on it or your cup of coffee on it, it looks solid, but it's really not solid. There's space between the atoms. There's space between the, the nucleus of the atom and the electrons. So if you could really see on the quantum level, you would see that that table is not at all solid. And secondly, and most exciting, is you would see that it's moving. That table is not sitting still. It's moving. There's a vibration of particles, and that is the quantum world, and we interact with it every day. Well, everything God created is full of life. Everything God created is full of life. How could he create anything that is not full of life? So just as I talked about the tabletop, if you could see on the quantum level, it's not dead, it's not static, there's a vibrating frequency there, there's movement, there's life there. And so here we are, we're alive, I think you'd acknowledge that, and we are interacting with everything in this world that is also alive. It is full of life. And so our relationship with all the things in the world that are alive are determined by what we say about it, what we think about it, our perception of it. And so we are life interacting with all of God's creation that's full of life. There's a parallel plane in the realm of the spirit. The spirit world is the unseen world, what we can't see. And yet everything we do see was created from the unseen realm. There was nothing seen when God said, let there be light. There was nothing, there was not light. God is a spirit. So he spoke spirit words and spirit words created matter. It formed the world, it formed the hills, the mountains, it formed everything we see here in life. All matter is created by the spirit realm. And in the realm of the spirit, you know, we, we talk about angels, we can't see them. And yet in a parallel plane, they are there, they are operating. In one famous incident in the Old Testament, the prophet asked that the eyes of his servant be opened. And he saw that there were horses and chariots and angels everywhere. So if our eyes were open right now, we could see in the realm of the spirit and see angels and spirit beings, horses, whatever that God has created there. And yet we can't see it with our physical eye. The spirit realm operates on a different frequency. And we have no instrument in our physical body to see into that realm unless God opens our eyes through a gift of the Spirit. And then we're enabled to see into that invisible realm that is real, exists, and guess what? The Spirit realm will never perish, it will never die. God created man and woman, and what? In His image and in His likeness to do what? to have authority over the earth, to have dominion over the earth, to rule and reign, how? In the same way God created it, through their words. What's really fascinating to me is that the more I understand our planet Earth, the more I understand about heaven. And the more I understand about heaven, the more I understand about our planet. You see, Earth was intended, it was always intended to be a copy of Heaven. 
That's why when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he said, Thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is already done in heaven. I mean, you just have to look around and examine how a certain system functions here on earth and you will have some pretty good insight on how the original in heaven operates and looks like. Let's take online shopping for example. When you go onto an online store to make a purchase, it's nothing but a faith transaction. It really is nothing but a trust transaction. That's all that it is. For starters, you can't touch the product, you can't smell it, you can't hear it, you can't taste it, and you can't see it. You can only see a picture of it and see the reviews about it. But those two things, the pictures and the reviews, they give you enough trust in the vendor to go ahead and make the purchase. This is how God's kingdom operates. We can't see it with our natural eyes. We can't hear it. We can't taste it. We can't smell it or even touch it. But we look at the reviews and images we see described in the Bible, and this gives us enough faith. It builds up enough faith within us to go ahead and make the purchase. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For God calls those things which do not be, He calls them real, cause they're real. You see, I didn't write this, the evidence is in the world. Thank you for tuning in to the pre-show. This is episode 7 of this series called Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. We hope this episode blesses your heart. So open up your heart and mind and let's dive in. Welcome back to Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. In the last couple of episodes, we looked at how human beings got access to the quantum spirit realm. God gave mankind access through a renewed, incorruptible, born-again spirit, and this was through Jesus Christ as the password to obtaining that access. We said man's physical body was always being corrupted by Satan. So God eventually decided, I am going to bypass this by just giving them a born-again spirit. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your spirit is born again. 
And even though Satan can still corrupt your physical body, he cannot corrupt your born-again spirit. The reason Jesus Christ is called a Savior is because he is saving you from eternal condemnation. But before you get to that part of the afterlife, he saves you from the realm of limited possibilities like classical physics, classical medicine, you name it. When you get born again, the Savior is saving you from something. Now, there's a saving that he does. There's a saving that he saves you from, you know, in, in the afterlife. That's, that's one of the things, eternal condemnation. But before you get to that part of, of the afterlife, what about here on earth? He saves you from the realm of limited possibilities like classical physics, classical medicine. And we saw Jesus exemplify this when he walked the earth. You know, when people were hungry, he performed miracles to feed the 5,000. When people were sick, he cast out uh, the sicknesses, cast out devils, people who are mentally oppressed. You know, right now we have a culture that is depressed. Mental health has become um, front and center of people's livelihoods. People are depressed, there's anxiety, there's worry. We're just coming off um, probably two and two years and, and a couple months of, of lockdowns. So there's oppression. There, there is an oppression that is happening. People are depressed. And when Jesus came, he found this happening on the earth as well. And so, so many times in scripture, you see, and, and Jesus cast out healed all that was sick and that were oppressed of the devil. There's a demonic oppression. There's a spirit of mental illness that oppresses people, that causes them to be anxious about everything. There's a spirit of fear in the atmosphere. And right now there's a spirit of fear because of inflation. Prices are going up. Uh, stock market is coming down. It's we're going through a recession. So when you compound all of these, it turns into oppression, and then you become depressed, anxiety. So Jesus came to give to save us from the limitations that we deal with in this life. In so many places, you know, one of the scriptures in John say, let not your heart be troubled. In this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. How did Jesus overcome the world? 
How do you get away out of the oppressive nature of culture? Well, he told us in his famous Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Not that you're blessed because you're poor, but because your, your poor spirit through Jesus Christ can be born again, made new, and then you start to get out of the limitations that this life can put on you. You know, the limitation that you need to live in a, a $30 million house or a mansion to feel happy. That you need to be the most good looking person to feel satisfied. That your body needs to look a certain way, that you need to be a certain kind of height. You need to be a certain kind of weight. These are all classical limitations. Some of them are classical limitations of physics. Some of them are classical limitation, are limitations of, of classical physics. Some of them are limitations of classical medicine. But some of them are also limitations of classical identity. How do you walk around feeling good about yourself when you don't look like what the women's health magazine shows or the men's health fitness magazine or you know, the movers and shakers of this world. Well, God says you are fearfully and wonderfully created. Since all your days were ordained in the book, he fashioned you. He also says, man looks on the outward appearance but God looks on the heart of man. That, that is a way out. You might not see it that way, but that is a way out of the classic, of the limitations of this earth, of this planet. That's a way out of an identity limitation. That is a way out of the, uh, of the cool kids club or the cool girls club or the cool boys club whereby you are bound by societal pressure or identities. That is what a savior does. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It is. Because God doesn't need you to be uh, 6'2 to use you. God doesn't need you to be on the cover of women's magazine, of Vogue magazine to use you. No. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are weary from the world, the world that has beat you down. The world that requires you, that tells you that cancer can't be healed. Come to me, I'll show you that you can bypass not having access to the best doctors out there. Come to me, I will heal you from cancer. Come to me. 
who are weary and heavy laden, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me if you're addicted to drugs, if you're addicted to all kinds of things, if you're addicted to pornography, come to me. I will help you bypass going to 12 steps program. I can heal you just like that. And we have so many stories right now on, on, on this podcast where we've interviewed people and they've expressed how the savior Jesus Christ helped them break out of the uh, limitations of the classical, uh, out of the classical limitations. You know, people who have been addicted to all kinds of drugs and you name it, and habits and behaviors that were destroying their lives, just being set free in one day with no withdrawals, all addictions taken away. This is what Jesus came to do. Remember in one of the previous episodes, I say that God is in the business of saving souls. He's not in the business. He didn't send Jesus to teach us physics, science, and medicine. No, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Because as I said in the beginning, God's plan was foiled up by Satan, who was a former archangel. He corrupted mankind. So God had to come up with another plan. So come to him. That's why he's called the savior. He saves us from ourselves because he understands that this world has classical limits. Whatever realm, whatever sphere, this world has classical limits. It does. The economy is limited. It has limitations. Governments have limitations. Your wife has limitations. Your best friend has limitations. But God doesn't have limitations. Through God, you have an access to the realm of all possibilities, to the quantum realm for happiness, for joy, for peace, for enduring persecution, for going, for not being fearful when the economy is, is, is in a recession. That's the beauty of this born again spirit of this access that we now have. In Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, this is all that he was trying to reveal to us. He was unveiling a mystery that all along existed, but had been hidden from the beginning of the ages. When Jesus walked on the surface of the earth, he, on numerous times, bypassed the classical realms and operated in the quantum realm. He healed the sick, raised the dead, walked on water, and many other miracles. 
In fact, it's so funny that to him, he considered it so normal that he made this ridiculous statement that Christians still struggle with today. It's not just the people that don't believe in God that would call it ludicrous. It is Jesus's own tribe of believers that are still trying to wrap their heads around this statement. And how do we know this? Well, it's because since Jesus left, we haven't seen anywhere close to the number of miracles he did before his departure. This is the statement that Jesus made himself. It's from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 12. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. That bears repeating. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Wow. She says, you believe in me, you will be able to do what I do, and you'll even do greater works than I have done. We haven't seen anybody rise up to the occasion and do greater works than Jesus did. But he was giving us a guarantee. This is a guaranteed statement. Because to him, he had come and unveiled this mystery that had been hidden from mankind since the beginning of the ages. That Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you or through Christ, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. That through Christ you have access to this realm of all possibilities that you can bypass all classical realms. Jesus was saying, hey, I've just shown you the tip of the iceberg. You should be able to do what I've shown you and even do greater things than what I've done. To many Christian believers, that statement still sounds blasphemous. It does. If you walked up in Christian circles and you say at a funeral and you said, I'm just going to call that person out of their casket, people would look at you as crazy. They would. But Jesus would do these things. There's one time that there was, there was a this group of people carrying uh, a young guy and, and, and uh, they were carrying him, was, they were taking him to bury him. They were wailing, the mother was there crying and whatever. Jesus was just kind of like in the neighborhood. He just told those people, drop the thing down, called the boy out. Jesus canceled the funeral. 
There was no more funeral after that. So the things that we fear, Jesus was giving us a way out of this. One of the limitations that Jesus was giving us a way out of is the fear of death. That was the biggest. The fear of death. In fact, one of the scriptures says, this is very, very profound. Let me find it. One of the scriptures says that he delivered us from the fear of death. Because from the beginning of the world, Christians were always bound by the fear of death. It talks about it. Uh, it talks about it in, let me find it. But he delivered us from the fear of death. Death, people were always afraid of death. This is from Hebrews. It says, this is from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. The, the heading says, Christ shared man's mortal nature. It says, for as much then, this is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. So we're talking about what are some of the limitations that Christ, the Savior, delivered us from? You know, we we were talking about mental health. So this is a this is a big one because I use the example of raising people from the dead. That's something that Jesus did. So if he's saying the works that I do, you'll do also, and even greater works, that means we should be raising people from the dead. Like when they call you and they say someone is dead, that shouldn't be the end be all. We should be able to master up the faith to go and call that person off their deathbed, even if they're in a casket. There's a famous story of raising Lazarus. Lazarus was in the tomb. He was dead, been in there four days. And Jesus is, is the, told him that, that one of the ones you love is dead. Lazarus' sister came. And as he was walking with them, Jesus said, he will resurrect again. And she said, I know he'll resurrect again at the last day, meaning when the trumpet sounds. And she didn't realize Jesus was saying, no, I'm going to go wake him up. And it was very funny. It's very interesting when you look at all these scenarios where Jesus raises people from the dead. It was like as if they were just asleep to him. People would mock, people he would arrive in a room and people crying and and, and all freaked out people like the end has happened like 
to a lot of people, death sounds like this is it. That's that's like a full stop. It's not even a question mark. The moment you hear the word dead, it means that everything has ended. And some instances, Jesus will walk in the room and say, why are you weeping? She's not dead. She is just sleeping. He's just saying her body or his body is just sleeping because he, the real person, the spirit that was the living force through this body has just departed back to where it came from. And personally, I, I've been delivered from the fear of death. It is so freeing to no longer be afraid of dying. It is. But it was until I received the mystery and I really embraced it, yes, Christ says, he's redeemed me from the power of death. Or death, where is your sting? That's another scripture. Or death, where is your sting? So Jesus has delivered us from this. But yeah, so this scripture it comes from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. It says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, meaning Jesus Christ, also himself, likewise, took part of the same. That through death, we know Jesus died and resurrected after three days. It says that through death, he might destroy him, him who? Satan, the devil. Who had, he might destroy him, him who? Satan, the devil that had the power of death, that is the devil. So the devil, Satan, always had the power of death. But it says, and Jesus Christ delivered them, who? His children. I mean, his uh, brothers and sisters. God's children that are partakers. God, Jesus Christ delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Wow. That, that, that was a limitation. That was a classical limitation of existence. thinking and probably living your life in a way where you thought that this is the end. And now that can happen two ways. You can either choose to be a, a nice person or you live through not being nice and you think that you can do all the nasty things on this planet because you believe that there's no accountability at the end of it all, that's also another point of view. But the whole point here it's saying is that he delivered them through, he delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. 
Fear of death is a bondage. So here we see that Christ, the Savior, delivered us from the classical limitation of existence, whereby you, you think that, okay, if my if a relative dies, someone that's dear to you, that you think, you know, you can, it can be a bondage for all your life to live in misery and, and bondage and regret and grief for the rest of your life because you think you'll never see them again. These are the limitations that Christ saves us from. It is not just about heaven or hell. Yes, that, that is true and there's a time for that. But before you get to heaven or before you get to hell, there is a heaven and hell on earth that we go through as human beings. And that is what the Savior was delivering us from. This is what the Savior was delivering us from, these classical limitations. It's real, the bondage because of the fear of death, who through all their lifetime, how many people on this planet are living under the bondage of the fear of death? How many? And yet, we see a man here, <clears throat> a man called Paul, who was delivered from the fear of death, and he's just thinking contrary. Paul is talking about death differently. Paul, this is from Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, 21, he's saying, for me to leave, for me to live is Christ, and for me to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I, what I shall choose, I don't know. For I'm in a strait be, between two having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better than staying on this planet. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. That's the attitude of another person who's been, who's been, this is the attitude of someone who has been delivered from the fear of the bondage of death. He doesn't walk in this. He's saying, hey, if I stay on this planet, I'll keep doing the will of God for my life. But if I die, I even gain more. I gain more. It says, if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. I keep doing what I do. I keep touching lives. I keep being, uh, um, uh, I keep making use of the gifts that, that the Lord has blessed me with. 
but it says I'm in a straight between two. It says I have two really good options. I can't lose with any of these options. You know, if I stay here, that's okay. But if I depart, that's far better. It says to be with, to be with Christ, which is far better. So that is a huge mental breakthrough, mental deliverance, to be delivered from the power of fear, bondage, of death. That is huge. Selah. Welcome back. We are talking about quantum faith meets quantum physics. And we've explored different scenarios that the Savior, Jesus Christ, different classical limitations that the Savior, Jesus Christ, delivered us from. Now, we know that from the Gospels, one of the main ways Jesus entered and operated in the quantum realm was through speaking. He spoke to situations, he spoke to sickness, he spoke to trees like the fig tree incident. He spoke to storms and so forth. By speaking, he put in motion or activated a special force field. This force field is the force of faith. We enter the quantum spirit realm by a force field called faith. In the quantum physics realm, one of the ways of tapping into the quantum realm is the observer effect. The intent of the observer brings something into reality, into being. A particle that you don't see somehow picks up on your intent to observe it at a certain location and it reacts to that. Your intent causes it to come from several possible locations into that specific location that you are observing it from. So today, We are going to explore the force field of faith and how it's activated. The force field of faith has two key components to it. The first component to the force field of faith is the belief component of faith. So this force field that enables you to enter into the quantum realm to bypass classical limitations in everything within this planet stands on two pillars. The first one is the belief pillar of faith, of, 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 of this faith force field. The belief part is very interesting. This is, in essence, like the observer effect 
that scientists are swooning over within the quantum realm of physics. The belief part of faith is similar to the observer effect in the quantum realm of physics. In the quantum spirit realm of faith, it's the belief part. In the quantum realm of physics, it's the observer effect. Because it pulls a particle that exists in a sea of unlimited possibilities and it brings it into focus. It sort of separates this specific possibility. The belief part, the belief component, is what actually empowers the second component of the force field of faith. It energizes it. In fact, the belief component isolates the needed frequency for signal communication. Let's think for, for an example. Let's take for an example, radio waves. Like when you tune into radio and, and all of that. There are probably thousands of frequencies at any one point. Let's say if you're in a room, if you're in your car, at any one point, it's probably thousands of frequencies in the atmosphere. But the way you communicate or you tune into or transmit to a specific channel, you receive transmission from a specific channel, is by dialing in or setting your frequency, your receiver, at the same frequency that this signal is being transmitted. The transmitter sends out a signal at a specific frequency. And you, the receiver, must receive it at the same frequency. So likewise, with the belief component of, of, of faith of force, I mean, with the, with the belief component of the faith force field, believing in something isolates it and sort of causes a transmission line or connection to be set up. Think of this transmission line that this signal or communication is arriving on as a bridge. So picture yourself on one side and you're standing between a sea of possibilities and over on the other side, you start thinking is where your possibility is. And you think of yourself, you want to pull something from across the ocean and bring it over to you. Actually, think of it this way. It's almost like an island, so to say right so you're on an island which is a classical realm 
of limited possibilities and you want a way out. But there's this thing over this water between you now on the island, of course, that's what an island is. And, but now you want to reach over across the other side and bring something over. So there, there is a bridge that you need to create. There's a bridge that you need to connect between your classical realm, the situation you're in, and the solution, which is over across the other side. You need a transmission line there. You need, you need a signal to set up a, a communication signal for this thing to come over. So think of that as a bridge. Now, the more weight the bridge is expected to carry, the stronger the bridge has to be built. So a bridge capacity of one ton is built different from a bridge capacity of 1,000 tons. The higher the capacity, the higher the strength of the material, the, the higher the capacity of the bridge, the higher the strength of the materials needed to create this bridge. Okay? So hold that thought right there, that illustration. So even with signals being transmitted at certain frequencies, there can be variations in signal strength. So when you enter the spirit quantum realm, when you want to transact from quantum faith, the realm of all possibilities, God's realm that helps you break out of classical limitations, you need to first build that bridge between you and the desire you want to come to you. And the way you build this bridge, so to speak, is in your human spirit. Remember that born-again spirit that we spoke about that you now have through Jesus Christ as your password, as your access so through your human spirit, your born again spirit, this is how you build the bridge between you and the desire that you want to come from the realm of all possibilities that when, when Jesus said with man, it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. So for you to build a bridge between saying, okay, I'm stuck in this situation. My finances are stuck. I'm, I'm dealing with the doctors of said. I can't be healed of cancer. Uh, I'm, I'm dealing with mental depression. I need a way out. And, and, and Jesus is saying, with, with your doctor, it's impossible. But with me, all things are possible. You know? So now you want to tap and transact from the realm of all possibilities. So you build this bridge to pull the thing over in your human spirit. That is where the signal strength is built. So you build the signal and the strength of that signal is built in your human born again spirit. Now, of course, there are certain hindrances to your signal strength. And if you aren't able to overcome them, you will not be able to transact from that spirit realm, from that realm of all possibilities. You won't be able to, to make a purchase from that realm of with God, 
all things are possible. And the main hindrance to us human beings making purchases from this realm of all possibilities is another force called fear. You see, faith and fear operate on the same wavelength. It's just in opposite directions. In fact, there's a saying that says, fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Every fear you tolerate contaminates your force field of faith. Fear and faith cannot are like water and oil. They don't mix. Fear and faith are like light and darkness. They 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 they're meant to drive each other out. They just cannot. So fear is the worst, and I believe still the number one epidemic that mankind has has yet to deal with. It's the number one epidemic that has befallen mankind. Fear. So there's another force that hinders us from making purchases from the realm of all possibilities, the quantum realm of, of the quantum spirit realm. Fear is what stops us from making transactions from the realm of possibilities, of all possibilities. When Jesus says, with man it's impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And guess who is behind this force field of fear? Satan himself, the devil. So Satan, remember I read a, I read a scripture from Hebrews that said one of the deliverances that the Savior, Jesus Christ, one of the things he delivered us from, it says it was from the fear of death. And it said who had the power of that fear? It says Satan, the devil. And it says, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. It says the devil had the power of death. So people were always subject through fear of death. They were subject to this bondage all their lifetime. So fear. Fear is what stops us from making transactions from the realm of all possibilities. And as I just said, guess who's behind this force field of fear? It is the devil, Satan himself. He is always transmitting different fear signals. And the moment your receiver tunes in to one of his stations, you are defeated. Remember, I say that faith, fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Always remember that. If you're in a situation and, and you're looking for a way out, fear can grip you and stop you from moving forward. That's what panic attacks are about. 
it's it's a gush of fear. It surges in, paralyzes you. It's this projection of the worst case scenario in every situation. People are not moving towards their destinies, their visions, their goals, their dreams because of fear. And now there's so many fears. There's even a fear of cancel culture. So some people won't even stand up and speak the truth because they fear is a fear of being canceled. As you can see, Satan is just creating more fear signals on this planet. Every day there is a new fear signal that is sent out. COVID, the economy, is all of these things. So now we have a fear epidemic and Satan is just creating a way, a, a network of it. It's just weaving it in. It's just adding another thread to it. So fear stops us from making transactions from the realm of all possibilities. The reason some people are skydiving and others won't even entertain the thought of doing it is because of fear. You could tell them the failure rate is 0% for, for, for 20 years and there'll be a fear that what if it starts with me? There are probably over 1 million phobias today. I think I read that somewhere. So Satan's fear market just keeps growing. But I believe the only reason that Satan will try to interfere with you, making good and beneficial life-changing transactions and decisions, is because he can no longer make those transactions himself. He was cut out of the deal. He no longer has access. He was locked out. And now he wants everyone to live in the same misery as him. When Peter walked in water, the scripture says that after a few strides of doing so, Peter looked around and when he saw the waves around him boisterous, fearing he began to sink. That's powerful. It says, he saw the waves around him boisterous, fearing he began to sink. He began to sink because of fear. He, he, he came out of the realm of all possibilities, which is a realm of walking on water in your physical body because of fear. Fearing he began to sink. So those one or two seconds of connecting into the fear frequency stopped his transaction. It stopped his transaction. In fact, another popular scripture, well-known amongst all believers, I hope, comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, once the belief signal has been built up strong and ready to be sent across the bridge, and you've cut through all the fear noise and the disturbances, then comes the second component of the force field of faith. And this one is really good. The second component is the speaking component of faith. The speaking component of the force field of faith. Speaking activates the signal transmission to start. So you see, when you're believing, you're building that signal up and, and you're building it in essence, you're building it strong enough to as as a bridge, as as a as a as a wave that 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 you, the bridge is like this signal wave that like that like that you're gonna send out into the realm of all possibilities, but the speaking component is very important because speaking is what acts is what activates the signal transmission. So we activate the force field of faith by speaking it. First, we build it up by our belief system in our born again human spirit. And then we activate it. We release this signal to transact. We kickstart off this transaction, this purchase by speaking. You know, Genesis tells us, it's very clear. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Uh, and then it says, and God said. That's even how our creator brought things into existence. After the signal was built up in him so strong, when it came time to activate it, to transmit it, he had to speak it. Speaking releases that signal. So we see this with Jesus as well, the first begotten son. That's how he always activated his transmission. His force field of faith. He he built it up. He knew about it. He built it up, built it up. And then every time he wanted to activate it, he spoke. Spoke to the storm, spoke to sickness, spoke to disease, spoke to dead people. This is what Jesus did. He spoke. So, just, you know, but for us to even conceptualize the words spoken by God at the beginning of creation, you know, words like, let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be that. Let there be a firmament. All of these words. For us to understand them, to conceptualize that can words even do this, we need to first create 
or go through some low-level examples in our own world today and see if words really change physical matter. Just like before scientists can take an experiment of a certain theory outside, they put it to the test in an ideal environment. So we're going to bring the power of words down to our everyday lives. Look at some examples and see how effective words are in our own daily lives. I believe that once we get an understanding of how powerful words are, then you will be able to start conceptualizing. You may not fully grasp it. You may not fully understand it, but you'll start to see that indeed words change physical matter. You'll start to see how words in fact change physical matter and circumstances. You'll start to see how words move physical things from one place to the other. I'm excited to dive into this in the next episode. Thank you for tuning in. This was episode seven of Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. This was episode seven of Quantum Faith Meets Quantum Physics. In the next episode, we'll continue exploring the two pillars of the force of faith, the believing component of faith and how we activate the faith signal by speaking through our words. We will continue to explore the power of words. Do the words we speak have any impact on our surroundings? The Word of God says, in the beginning, God said, let there be. But to better understand if this is even possible, we need to look at the microcosm of our own daily lives. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. That we can change things with our words. That words and faith affect things. Now, this, um, this table uh, looks solid. It absolutely looks solid. It is a thing. It looks solid. But when you get down to the quantum level of it, there are atoms, there are electrons going around the atoms. There is movement in this table, in the actual makeup of the table. That means that it can change forms. If it was burned, it would become energy. Energy becomes uh, matter. Matter becomes energy. But the Bible tells us that we can affect matter because uh, Mark 11:23 says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Remember Jesus said, All things are possible to him that believeth. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, he said, Whatso that if you say to this mountain, which is an object, be removed and be cast in the sea, and you believe and doubt not in your heart, 
that whatever you say, if you believe it, it will come to pass. Now, it may not happen instantly, but it will happen because our words and our faith affect things down to the microscopic level, down to every part of the atomic structure. That's why things will respond to faith. See, I know that you know what you're wanting Still on the same page, but here we are Chasing hope in the hope we stay honest Sometimes life can kick you when you're down But we got that, we got that thing Yeah We got that, we got that stargaze in our eyes We got that, we got that thing yeah, we got that, we got that willingness to try Cause we got that, we got that faith Sometimes life can kick you when you're down Cause we got that, we got that faith 